0: Welcome to the Mastervice Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. Today is May 3rd. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. Today we're going to be discussing earnings from Zimmer Biomet, 3M layoffs, and the results of a patent spat between Massimo and Apple. So first things first, let's check in. Sean, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Doing busy. A lot of news today. How are you?
0: I'm also doing all right. There has been a lot of news. So what is the first thing we need to know to start our day?
1: Yeah, to start out, Zimmer Biomet posted profits that were 16 times greater in the first quarter compared to a year ago. So a really good start to the year for the orthopedic device giant.
0: And what were some of the financial details of the quarter?
1: Yeah. So as I said, the profits came in 16 times higher than the same period uh, last year. They totaled two hundred and thirty-two point five billion dollars, or a dollar eleven per share, on sales of one point eight three one billion dollars, and, and uh, those sales were up more than ten percent compared to the same period a year ago. So the company also posted adjusted earnings per share of a dollar eighty-nine twenty-five cents, ahead of Wall Street consensus. And they had expected one point seven billion dollars in sales. So a very good quarter for Zimmer Biomet.
0: These strong Q1 earnings seemingly are a positive sign for the company and maybe the industry as a whole. And this growth suggests that the industry could be recovering from challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. But what did Zimmer Biomet say that it would expect financially for the remainder of the year?
1: Yeah, well, the company increased its guidance pretty significantly It now expects full year revenue growth of between five and six percent and adjusted EPS between $7.40 and $7.50. Again, significant increase from previous projections of one5 to 3.5% growth and adjusted EPS of $6.95 to $7.15.
0: Interesting. And what did investors have to say?
1: Yeah, well, analysts are clearly intrigued by these results. Uh, Truist analysts said we were impressed and they said that revenue growth only beat the whisper on Wall Street, but more impressively surpassed expectations on adjusted EPS. BTIG analysts had the headline orthopedics is having its moment and ZBH is benefiting. I know our colleague Chris Newmarker has uh, covered what the year could look like for orthopedics and it could be a good one. Uh, you should look that one up on the mass device site along with a backlog of patients the company has said there's easy comps and multiple technologies that provide faster recovery so analysts are definitely pleased with what they're seeing from zimmer biomet
0: so on to some more finance news what else do you have for us
1: yeah dexcom proposes a one billion dollar offering of convertible senior notes so could be a, a big influx of cash at the continuous glucose monitor maker What will the proceeds go toward? The company earmarked the proceeds for a handful of different things. Uh, It said that some proceeds will pay the cost of capped call transactions. It also expects to use $250 million of the proceeds to repurchase shares of its own common stock. And then the remainder has been set aside for capital expenditures, working capital and general corporate purposes. Now, Dexcom expanded on that and said it could include in licensing or acquisitions, investments, other businesses, products, technologies, all things like that, or additional share repurchases. Although the company stressed that it has no commitments or specific plans for any of those actions at this time.
0: So... This kind of seems like a sign of the company's commitment to expanding its business and developing new technologies. Can you tell us a little more about the capped call transactions?
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of financial jargon to kind of navigate in these things, but Essentially, they're privately negotiated stock transactions that may take place with one or more initial purchasers, their respective affiliates and other financial institutions. So they cover the number of shares of Dexcom's common stock that initially underlie the notes. Dexcom expects them to generally reduce the potential dilution of its common stock upon conversion, and they may also offset any cash payments that Dexcom could be required to make in excess of the principal amount of any converted notes
0: like you said, this is a lot of financial jargon to kind of navigate through. So is there anything else that we should know?
1: Yeah, just a few more details. Uh, the notes are convertible prior to 5 p.m. Eastern on the business day, immediately preceding February 15th, 2028, only upon the satisfaction of certain conditions. And then therefore, they are convertible at the option of the holders at any time until 5 p.m. on the second scheduled trading day, immediately preceding the maturity date. And there are also opportunities for Dexcom to redeem the notes and holders of the notes have the right to require Dexcom to repurchase them. So quite a lot of sort of stipulations and you know different things that could happen with these notes. But at the end of the day, it looks like Dexcom is going to be bringing in a billion dollars.
0: I mean, there's an increasing prevalence of diabetes worldwide. So there's obviously going to be a growing need for advanced diabetes management solutions like Dexcom's G6. So it'll be interesting to see where this heads. Moving on to our next topic.
1: Yes, Stryker completes its acquisition of Cirrus Endovascular. We've covered a bit of M&A recently, and here's another big one from from a big company that we're very familiar with.
0: So we all know what Stryker does for the most part. What does Cirrus
1: Endovascular do? So the company designs and develops neurointerventional devices for treating intracranial aneurysms. Uh, The company has CE-marked products, including the contour neurovascular system and the Next stent. So those will expand Stryker's portfolio of aneurysm treatment solutions.
0: This seems like an important step toward Stryker expanding its portfolio of neurovascular devices. And Sirius recently itself had some regulatory wins, right?
1: Yeah. So as previously mentioned, the products are CE marked, but still working uh, on the FDA in the US. So in April, the company received investigational device exemption approval from the FDA to run clinical trials of the contour system. Uh, The company designed that with a fine mesh brain to target the neck of the aneurysm away from the vulnerable dome. It self-anchors the system for stability and is resheathable for precise placement. And the sizing criteria are less restrictive because of the deployment across the neck. So clearly, the FDA has identified this as Interesting technology that they want to take a harder look at, uh, as evidenced also by FDA breakthrough designation in February.
0: And how optimistic are the executives at Stryker? Yeah,
1: well, Jim Mariucci, uh, president of Stryker's neurovascular division, said the acquisition is highly complementary of Stryker's neurovascular business. It strengthens the company's hemorrhagic portfolio globally. And he said that the company looks forward to working with the Cirrus team to deliver on our mission of making healthcare better.
0: All right. Onto some more business news. What else do you have for us?
1: Yep. Unfortunately, the layoffs uh, have been plaguing the industry lately, and these aren't new, but we've got a few more details. So 3M, uh, their big layoff, includes 1,100 people at its Minnesota headquarters uh, outside of St. Paul. So we covered those layoffs last week, but now we have a little more clarity on on what they entail.
0: We know that 3M is supposed to be spinning off its healthcare business. Does this next round of layoffs affect the spinoff?
1: As far as we can tell, there's no impact on the healthcare spinoff. Despite getting a little more detail today, we still don't know how many of the jobs are directly tied into that part of the business. But all signs up to now point to the spinoff remaining on course. We haven't been told otherwise.
0: Every time they lay off workers, there seems to be some sort of cost reduction plan. So what does 3M's cost reduction plan include?
1: Yeah. So in total, the company plans to lay off 8,500 employees. It projects... Cost savings from these efforts of between 700 million and 900 million before taxes uh, per year. The plan includes reducing the size of its corporate center, simplifying its supply chain, streamlining its geographic footprint, and reducing management layers while streamlining go to market models to more closely align with customers' needs.
0: When are the terminations scheduled for?
1: So the company scheduled them to begin on June 30th, 2023. And it also noted that no impacted employees have union representation and none retain bumping rights. Additionally, the company stressed that the 3M corporate headquarters site will not close uh, as part of these actions, despite the large amount of layoffs connected to it
0: just kind of underscores some of the cost pressures that companies are often forced to make and oftentimes are forced to make difficult decisions in order to remain competitive and sustain growth so
1: yeah absolutely and we're covering some some decent you know financial performances in the quarters but there's still some struggles out there so
0: that being said what is the last thing we need to know
1: yeah. So Massimo's trade secret suit against Apple ends in a mistrial. Now, this isn't the end of the battle over. It's an intellectual property spat between Massimo and, and you know, one of the tech giants of the world. But it is a bit of a setback in in its battle for Massimo.
0: So what was the original intent of the lawsuit?
1: Well, in January of 2020, Massimo accused Apple of poaching its employees and infringing 10 of its patents to improve the health monitoring functions of the Apple Watch. Now, we know Massimo is a company that offers a ton of health monitoring, vital sign monitoring, all sorts of technologies for in the patient monitoring space. So the court sought to determine whether Apple misused confidential information from Massimo related to the technology.
0: I mean, with the increasing use of digital health technologies and the growing importance of data privacy and security, companies, I imagine, must remain vigilant in protecting their valuable assets and proprietary information.
1: Absolutely, and it's worth noting that uh, a live core had a similar patent spat with Apple. So it's it's a big it's a big deal for Massimo's not a particularly small company, but compared to Apple, you know, you've got these healthcare-focused companies that now have tech companies trying to come in and encroach and whether or not the tech company did encroach or infringe anything. Uh, it's, it's quite a battle for these, an uphill battle, I should say, for, for these med tech companies.
0: And I imagine both companies have differing thoughts about how the trial ended.
1: Yeah. Massimo issued a statement through a spokesperson that said, while we are disappointed that the jury was un- unable to reach a verdict, we intend to retry the case and continue to pursue legal redress against Apple. Uh, As we begin that process, the U.S. Trade Commission is scheduled in the coming months to decide whether to ban the importation of certain models of the Apple Watch. That follows a ruling last year by an administrative law judge that Apple did infringe on one of Massimo's patents for pulse oximetry. Uh, however, Apple told Reuters that it deeply respects intellectual property and innovation and does not take or use confidential information from other companies. The Reuters report also noted that Apple plans to ask the court to dismiss the remaining claims in the case. So while Massimo looks to retry, Apple looks to get it completely dismissed.
0: Hmm. And what did analysts have to say?
1: Yeah, BTIG analysts Marie Tibbalt and Sam Iber wrote that the latest twist suggests that Massimo won't become away victorious. They said that the reports out there suggest that the jury plans to continue deliberations. So I don't know what that could lead to. But they say that once the trial ends, investors may shift focus to the aforementioned uh, trade commission investigation. They expect that commission to vote on the final or whether to review the final determination on May 15th. And then a vote would follow on July 17th of this year to potentially affirm the initial determination. BTIG still has a buy rating for Massimo, despite what could be considered a setback here. They also may be waiting for the company to report first quarter earnings in in a week.
0: This case serves as a reminder of the importance of strong IP protections. And I know there's going to be a panel similar to that topic at Device Talks Boston next week. So if, if you haven't registered yet, make sure you go to devicetalks.com and check it out. You don't want to miss some of the conversations that are going to be had next week. So... Thank you for joining me again, Sean, and bringing us your expertise, but that is all that we have for today.
1: My pleasure joining you, and it's always worth reminding the listener that you can read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast.
0: Connect with us online as well. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H, and the same name on LinkedIn. What about you, Sean?
1: You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Sean Hooley, S-E-A-N-W-H-O-O-L-E-Y.
0: Subscribe to the Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us Thursday for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening.